Amen, amen, amen. I am excited to be here. Thank you for that introduction, uh, Rodney, my, my sweet husband. I'm, I'm excited to be here. And so um, I'm so grateful that we have had the opportunity to join the Grace Church family. Oh, we, we're excited to be here. Hopefully you all are just as excited to have us. Um, but we are excited to be here in the Grace Church family um, with Pastor Ray and Nancy and the rest of the pastoral team. Uh, we truly believe in family and we are so grateful that you all have welcomed us into this family. Now, speaking of family, we have a lot of family here today. Uh, if you cannot tell, family is one of our values and you will see them. They might as well just be uh, honorary members here at Grace Church from uh, my in-laws, Rodney's parents and his sister, to my best friend, Ariel from college, to my mother who flew all the way here from Texas. Uh, yes, we, we are so grateful for all of them. So very grateful. My dad is at his church preaching. Uh, we might be preaching at the same time in different areas of the country. And so he wasn't able to be here with us, but I'm so thankful that my mom is here. You are being able to see me up here share the gospel because I have seen my mother share the gospel um, for over however old I am for that many years. But then, whoo, no, <laughs> mystery there. Uh, no, but for 28 years, I've seen her share, share the gospel, but she has been sharing the gospel and has a ministry that goes all over the country for over 40 years, and I am thankful for that legacy to be able to share. So speaking of sharing, I believe that there is a word from the Lord in the house today, and so we are going to go ahead and get started. And so the text today is in hope and against hope. That is the thought that I would love for us to consider today. So let us look at Romans 4, 18 through 21. Romans 4, 18 through 21. And while you all are searching for that and finding it, whether it's on your iPhone or a smartphone or in your Bible, I will give you a second to search for that. Just one thing to note about me. I love sharing the gospel, but please know I have come from a talk back type of church. So feel free to shout and say amen with me because I truly appreciate that. So let's go to Romans 4. There we go already. That was great. <laughs> so Romans 4, starting at verse number 18, it says, In hope he, being Abraham, believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. Verse 19, he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. 20, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. And finally, verse 21, fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. 
Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this time, Lord. Lord, to just come together and really dig into your word, God. But God, I pray that you fill us with hope as we are looking at this word. God, open up our hearts, Lord. Lord, so we will be able to fully receive what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So at the beginning of 2019, you might have heard people talk about how excited they were for year 2020, how excited they were we were entering into a new decade, and with that brought new excitement, but then people were also excited because it was 2020, and so you might have been seeing advertisements from things on billboards, and they were saying, you can probably guess it, talking about vision, right? From businesses to churches, we saw that everywhere. And then 2020 came, right? And somewhere along the way, that excitement and that hope for this year began to fade. From the global pandemic that we are experiencing, to schools being shut down, to some being furloughed or losing jobs, to canceled weddings, canceled graduations, to canceled events, to racial tensions and political turmoil, and you insert anything else that you could possibly think of that is happening right now, this probably wasn't the year that many of us were thinking about. Now, my husband mentioned that I work as a professional counselor, and so when I've been coming in contact with clients, as well as just interacting with those individuals in church or in the community, as well as my friends, one thing that I am hearing over and over again, and many people say, the thing that has been shaken is my hope. The thing that's been shaken is our hope. Many people are saying, Sharice, I am losing my hope. Last week, Pastor Rodney preached a powerful, powerful message called Obey the Ridiculous and Expect the Miraculous. But some of us may be thinking, Pastor Rodney, I appreciated that message and I want to get there, but I'm struggling to get there if I don't even have hope to see past where I am currently. How can I have hope when everything around me literally seems to be against the hope that I desire? So last week we talked about having faith to believe the promises of God, but how can I do that when literally everything around me is contradicting that belief? So that brings us to the text of Romans 4, verse 18. And we find Abraham who provides us with an example of how to have hope when everything around us is contradicting that hope. So we know the story of Abraham, that God promised that he would be the father of many nations. But at the point of that promise, both Abraham and his wife, Sarah, were both past childbearing years. So how did Abraham still manage to have hope when his current circumstances did not align with the promises of God? 
So we first must consider what does it even mean to have hope? So we talk about Abraham had this great hope, but what does it mean, right? Because in our society, we use hope in a variety of ways, right? We use hope that I hope there's still food at the grocery store, right? I hope that when I'm ready to check out at the grocery store, that they will have more than two out of the 20 registers available for me to check out, right? I, I, I hope, me being from Texas, I hope that this will be another mild winter. People have shared with me the last winter when I moved here they were like Sharice that is nothing that was really really mild and I was like really because I was freezing <laughs> I was really cold so uh, hoping for another mild winter and being that I am from Dallas Texas I am hoping don't boo me for a Dallas Cowboys championship oh there it goes there it goes <laughs> There it goes. My husband has already told me, he said, baby, just keep hoping. Just, just keep hoping on that one, right? But the point is that for a variety of things and most of the time when we use the word hope, we are expressing uncertainty, right? And in some ways, just wishful thinking. But biblical hope is different. Biblical hope is a confident expectation and desire for something good in the future. Biblical hope is not a mere desire of something good to happen, but it is a confident expectation and desire that it'll happen in the future. So biblical hope has moral certainty in it. So when we see hope in the Bible, it doesn't mean that I'm just crossing my fingers, right? It means that I can expect great things from God. Amen? So we see in our text, and it says, in hope, Abraham believed against hope, right? In Romans 4.18, we see that it was in hope and against hope. But what exactly does that mean, right? Pulling on the definition we were just talking about of hope. In hope can mean that with an assured confidence and expectation grounded on the divine promise, right? And against hope means against all probability. So this means that when Abraham, when he had no natural or rational grounds of hope, either in respect to himself or to his wife, Sarah, did he yet believe and hope that he should have a son? And from this son, many nations would spring forth, right? And his faith and his hope was grounded upon the power and faithfulness of God. So some of us are in a situation where around us, it looks like everything, like there is no rational grounds for us to have hope, right? And 2020 might be a good example where it seems like there is no rational grounds for us to have hope. But Abraham challenges us to see that we can still have hope. Why? Point number one is that our hope is anchored in the promise. 
So Abraham was asked to believe in a way which went beyond all mere impression of probability, right? But it rested upon the hope set before him by the divine promise, and he believed. So in hope gives the sentence the meaning of grounded his faith upon hope. In hope means that it is something that is anchoring him. So we see this as an example in Hebrews 6, 18 through 19. It says, hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. Right, so this verse is saying that our hope is an anchor and that anchor is both secure and that anchor is both firm, right? So there, therefore the word hope, right, in verse six and 18 refers to an objective future reality that is sure for all who sees it. Why? Because our hope can be secure and firm because it is in the promises of God. So that causes me to ask, what are we currently anchoring our hope in? Are we anchoring our hope in the stock market? Are we anchoring our hope in the job? Are we anchoring our hope in the news media? Are we anchoring our hope in the upcoming election? Or are we anchoring our hope in the promises of God? Amen? Are we anchoring it in the promises of God? You see, no matter what is going on around us, that does not change the promises of God. You see, the promises of God are not subject to our environment, but my environment is subject to the promises of God. I'll, I'll say that again. The promises of God are not subject to my environment, but my environment is subject to the promises of God. Amen? You know, I, I, coming here, we see the sign, expect a miracle. And that really touched me the first time that I came here to Grace Church. And it got me to thinking. It got me to really thinking about it. And as we were preparing this message, I was preparing this message, it got me to thinking that every miracle we see, right, is first comes in line with the promises of God. So in order for us to see any miracles in our life, we have to first believe the promises of God for our life. So church, that is something that we need to grab hold of is the promises of God. So how can I stay in hope when everything around me is challenging that hope? We can remain in hope by being anchored in the promise. But what else can we learn from Abraham about how to maintain hope? If we go on to the next verse, Romans 4, 19, it says that Abraham did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, but was as good as dead in Sarah's barrenness. Meaning that Abraham saw that his present circumstances and continued to believe God and have faith. 
Now, you might be thinking, Sharice, okay, we were talking about hope at one point. Now, the scripture is mentioning faith. Is the apostle Paul, is he using these words interchangeably? Well, I'm so glad that you asked, right? There is a difference between faith and hope. So I would suggest that faith is the larger idea and hope is a necessary part of biblical faith. So hope is that part of faith that focuses on the future. So in biblical terms, when faith is directed to the future, you can call it hope. Now, you can see this in Hebrews 11.1 because this is probably the closest thing to what we have as a definition of faith in the New Testament. And it reads, now faith is the substance or assurance of things hoped for and the evidence or conviction of things not seen. So faith is always now, right? Because Hebrews 11.1 states, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. So faith gives our hope substance and faith says you can receive when you pray. So hope keeps our faith alive until those things in which you are believing are pulled from the spiritual realm into the natural. I'll say that again. Hope keeps our faith alive until those things that you are believing God for are pulled from the spiritual realm into the natural. So faith is our confidence in the word of God. And whenever that word uh, has reference to the future, you can call our confidence in it hope. So why is this difference between hope and faith? Why is it relevant? Why why does it even matter? You see, hope is an essential part of faith. And if you take away hope, the definition that we just talked about regarding faith in Hebrews 11 and 1 would be destroyed. So when Abraham looked at his current circumstances or present, his faith did not weaken and he was able to have hope for his future. So we can continue to have hope when we, number two, when we do not allow our circumstances to dictate our faith. So verse 19 says, he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead. Since he was about 100 years old when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. We see in this verse that Abraham, he considered not. So he did not regard the fact that his body was now dead as an obstacle to the fulfillment of the promise of God. So my question for you is, instead of obeying the ridiculous, like Pastor Rodney shared last week, are we trying to rationalize the promises of God by telling God, God, you know this won't work. God, 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 you know this won't work. God, don't you know? Like, like the Lord already doesn't know, right? And so we're trying to rationalize it. But sometimes, if I'm just being completely honest, sometimes it's not even us right? It's the people that are in our lives that cause us to rationalize the promises of God. And they say things like, have you watched the news lately? You know, people are getting laid off right now. 
You know that it's hard to find a job. You know what I heard, right? And they say things like that, but those little things can come against the faith that we have for the promises of God. But Abraham did not suffer that fact to influence him or produce any doubt about the fulfillment. Abraham knew that if he sat there and listened logically and looked at it, all of his circumstances, that it would produce doubt. So he paid no attention to those physical obstacles, but both in him and in Sarah, which might seem to render the fulfillment of the promise hopeless. But Abraham did not consider these obstacles as to distract him from the fact of the promise. So this causes me to ask, what is it that we are considering that is distracting us from the fact of the promise and jeopardizing our hope? What is the thing that is distracting us from God's promise? You see, faith looks to the strength of God, not to second causes or to difficulties that might seem difficult to man. So we can remain in hope when everything around us seems like it's against the hope. Why? That brings me to point number three, when we remember the promise of God. So Romans 4.20 says, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew, grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. We see that Abraham did not waver in unbelief because he remembered the promise and that promise was the foundation of his confidence, right? Because Abraham was in a situation that looked hopeless, he had to remind himself of God's promise and he reminded himself of who God is. I'm afraid that many of us, instead of reminding ourselves of the promise of God, we are choosing to rehearse the problem. I'll say it again. Instead of reminding ourselves of the promises of God, we are choosing to rehearse the problem. But we have to remember that the promises of God are not like any other promises. So this, this brings up a story. I, uh, I used to travel a lot for my job. And so I was an admissions recruiter at that time. And so I would travel from Dallas, Texas, then to New Orleans, Louisiana. Then I was in Atlanta, Georgia, and then uh, Florida, uh, Miami area. And so I traveled a good amount. And so I had an early morning flight that morning. Right, so I booked my ticket, got there. I was waiting in the area, in the waiting seating area, right, right before you board your flight. And I was waiting and it was quiet, everything like that. And the attendant got on the mic and they said, we need some volunteers. And so in my mind, I was thinking, oh, they need some volunteers. I've got a regular coach seat that is kind of near the back of the plane. If they need some volunteers, I will gladly volunteer for first class. 
I, I, I will gladly volunteer. Don't worry, my fellow passengers, I will take one for the team and I will gladly move up to first class. And so I used to run track in high school. I ran the 100 and the 200 meter dash, which means I'm a sprinter. So I already had mapped out in my mind how I am going to sprint to the ticket counter before any of my fellow uh, passengers get there so I can claim my first class ticket. Well, to my dismay and unfortunately, the stewardess got on the line and said, so unfortunately, we have oversold this flight. We have oversold this flight and there are too many of you on the plane that have registered for this flight than we actually have seats. So we need some of you all to take a later flight and if you choose to take a later flight, you can get a voucher, which is probably gonna be difficult to use anyway, but we'll give you that voucher, right? And we were all looking and I looked at my ticket and I was like, wait, see, I bought a ticket for this flight. And some other passengers were looking and we were kind of confused because they too also bought a ticket for that flight. And you know, when you're thinking, you're thinking, okay, I bought a ticket for this flight. And so when I buy a ticket, that is like an agreement or a promise that I will have a seat on this flight. And you know, I started thinking about that. And I think many of us think the promises of God are like an oversold airline flight. That somehow God is going to run out of space, right? Or that you'll get there and God will be like, no promise for you. I'm sorry, you're going to have to go on a later flight next time. And, and we think of the promises of God like that. But aren't you glad the promises of God are not like airlines, right? And they aren't like that. But the promises of God are things that we can be sure in. You see, we can rely on the promises of God. Now, why can we rely on the promises of God? Well, we can rely on the promises of God because one, he cannot lie, right? It says that in Numbers 23, 19, God is not a human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. We also can rely on the promises of God because he is faithful. It says in Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And then we can rely on the promises of God because he is able to bring it to pass. And this pulls from one of our verses from this morning, Romans 4.21, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised. So we can rely on the promises of God. So hoping in God, though, if we're being totally honest, um, his, it, it doesn't come naturally to us, right? Hoping in God and his promises. So we must preach it to ourselves. We got to preach it to ourselves and preach it diligently and forcefully. We will be over or we will be overcome with doubt. 
So we have to preach the promises to ourselves diligently and forcefully or we will be overcome with doubt. You all know this is true, right? You turn on the news, you turn on every, you turn on all of these different channels, they are all saying things and very few of them are talking about the promises of God, right? They are talking about things that will come against those promises. So to combat that, we must constantly be saying the promises of God. So what promises have you been praying and speaking over your life? What promises have you been praying over your life? Have you been saying, by his stripes I am healed? Have you been saying, my God will supply all of my needs? Have you been saying, all things work together for the good of them that love him? Have you been saying, no weapon formed against me shall prosper? Have you been saying, I once was young and now I'm old, but never have I seen the righteous forsaken? What promises have you been speaking over your life? So we must remind ourselves of the promises of God and not rehearse the problem. So when we do this, we rely on the power and the promise of God, which then brings true glory to God. So this brings us to our final verse, right? Verse 21, it says, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. So Abraham, he looked up to God as one that was perfectly able to do whatever he had promised. And as one that was most faithful and sure never to fail in performance collecting nothing from the difficulty or the improbability of the matter, but that God was able to do the almighty. So the last thing I want to share is that we can remain in hope because number four, the fruit of our hope is endurance. So Abraham did not waver in the promise and endured until he saw it. It says that Abraham was fully convinced. And when I have this assurance, I am able to endure what comes my way. Now, you might be asking yourself, Sharice, this is talking about um, hope and this is great, but how can I keep going in this path of obedience when everything around me looks hopeless? Well, 1 Thessalonians one, two through three says, we give thanks to God always for you all constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father, your work and faith and labor of love and endurance of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. So in this verse, Paul gives thanks to God that faith has produced work and love and love has produced labor and hope has produced endurance. So we learn that the people of God shall endure in the path of obedience. So endurance is a promised gift of the new covenant right? It is the blood-bought blessing of the new covenant and is the commitment of the almighty God never to turn away from us good to, uh, and to work, excuse me, in us what is pleasing in his sight and thus to cause us to endure in obedience until the end. 
So endurance is a gift and guarantee of the new covenant sealed by the blood of Jesus for all of us who trust in him. And so we can take heart when we feel weak and when we look away from ourselves to God's grace and power and ignite our hope that we can and will endure in the path of obedience to which he has called us. So why can we endure and remain in hope? We can have hope and keep going because Colossians 1.27 tells us that Jesus is the hope of glory. Amen. It says to them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of glory of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So the indwelling Christ is the ground of the expectation of glory, both now and in the future. So Christ in you, the hope of glory. The word glory points to the great consummation in God's eternal purposes and is a comprehensive word for God's glorious presence with his people. So our ground of hope is Christ in you, or saying it differently, is Christ in us. So when I recognize the hope I have in Christ, with Christ in me, I can then be in hope when everything seems to be against me, right? Because it says our hope is Christ in us, amen? So although what is going on around us might seem like it is against our hope, we can remain in hope if one, we anchor in the promise. If two, we do not allow our circumstances to dictate our faith. If three, we remember the promise. And if number four, we recognize the fruit of hope is endurance. So some of you all might have been saying, Sharice, I've been struggling with my hope, but my prayer is that you have been encouraged today, encouraged to keep going and encouraged to lean on the promises of God. And so that causes me to close us up in prayer, right? And there are two people that when we pray that I would love to pray for. I would love to pray for those who feel everything around them is against their hope, that God would reignite his hope, your hope in him and in the promises of God. And for the next group, We talked about that our hope is in Christ. So for those of us who do not know the Lord as our Savior, we will only experience this hope to the depth that we know Christ. So you have to make a commitment to the Lord. So we're going to pray really quick that God would reignite us with his hope. Lord God, I thank you for this time today, God. God, I thank you for allowing us to dig into your word, Lord. And Lord, right now we are praying for your people, God. God, we are coming before you, God. God, asking that you fill us with your hope, God. God, fill us with your hope and fill us with your faith, God. God, we do not want to just be a church that comes and has a 
sign that says expect a miracle, but God, we want to believe that miracles, signs, and wonders can happen in our lives. So God, I thank you for reigniting this group of believers, Lord, with your hope, God. And God, we pray for those who might not know you, God. God, that you will draw them to yourself, God. God, because we know that in you is true hope. We don't have to wait till we get to glory because you are the hope of glory. So we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In hope and against hope. Thank you so much, church.